Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. A year ago, May, when we were in the first shutdown, the first lockdown, and I remember waking up one morning, and after I, I heard a voice wake me up, and I, and I woke Nicole up and told her what I heard the Lord say, to write the revelation of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I was stunned in that, uh, you know, for me, it's like looking at the book of Revelation, I've always read the Bible through every year since I was a teenager. And when I'd get to Revelation, I would speed read through it because it was too scary Mm -hmm. uh, to camp out, Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least based on things that I was taught growing up. And uh, But when I heard the Lord say, right, it caused me to uh, dig in and start... uh, you know, searching for books to help expound on what I was reading, and I began to see things that I never saw before. Uh, It was like I was given eyes to see uh, and ears to hear. And so it's just been this transformational journey, studying, learning, and seeing Jesus in a whole new way. So uh, it's been this 18 songs later. I'm in the middle of a book that will, uh, we think, probably in spring of, of 2022, it'll all come out and be released. But wow. Uh, wow. But I'm excited for the here and now and what yeah. God is saying to us as a church through all of this study. I have to say personally, um, it has opened my eyes to so much and my ears to so much. And uh, I will personally say I'm not as afraid of it anymore, but almost excited You know, when I read it now. Um, the invitation of Jesus and how it pertains to yeah. every day and the here and now. Yeah, can we just say, you and I were raised in the same church denomination. Right. And so we were taught things as young men right. uh, uh, to believe a certain thing in a certain way about the end times, about the study of the eschatology, the study of the end times. And so uh, I feel like my theology has evolved uh, through much of this study. And I think I see things, I joked saying I wanted to write a chapter called Granny Was Wrong. <laughs> you probably uh, <laughs> going to write it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, but so having said that, we, we have grown up with the perception, uh, perspective of, of, of what we thought the Bible was telling us. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think... Uh, so it's been it's been an eye opener for us, and it's yeah. still like trying to like okay, wait a second, uh, let's. But anyway, let's dive in. Well, I think uh, it has been eye opening for many of us, and um, that has brought some questions, great questions. And so we're going to jump into a few of those questions, and maybe you have some of these questions as well. So we're excited to answer some of these questions for you today. We're going to start with question number one. Okay. Is the Antichrist a physical person or a spirit? Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, last Sunday I talked about how the, how the Antichrist is referenced in the book of Revelation. It says, he was and he was not. 
but he will be. It's so it's like he's described as, as something in the past and something in the future, but never in the here and now. He was, he was never uh, expressed in the here and now. On the, on the flip side of that, we have God is described as the one who was and is and is to come, the one who is coming. And uh, he's always, the kingdom is always invading the here and now. Uh, and so, in, in essence, the Antichrist is a fraud. Now, to say that it's, that he's not real, I, I would venture to say that I feel it's a spirit. Even Paul referenced uh, in Second Thessalonians, I believe he said, the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. Yeah. The spirit of Antichrist, it's, it's a demonic force influencing yeah. human beings. And so uh, there, there are men, uh, Pilate was influenced by the spirit of Antichrist and murdered Jesus, mm-hmm. had, him, had him crucified. And so uh, it was, there's, you know, Antichrist is exactly what it is. It's opposed mm-hmm. to Christ. And so I believe that it's a spirit that influences humans to thwart the plans of God in the earth. That's good. Yeah. Uh, let's you jump in with that. <laughs> the second question. I'm just the cheerleader over here. <laughs> um, number two, uh, you talked about uh, the dragon on a Sunday uh, being a manipulating political power and a church manipulating power. Can you address that some more? And how does it relate to where we are now? Babylon is. Is, is, is church gone wrong? It is government, uh, it, it represents government. It's, let me, let me say this as best as I can. It is worship thwarted. It is, it, 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 we've seen worship become something that is not worship at all. We've seen worship become entertainment. We've seen lights and skinny jeans and, and, uh, <laughs> Are you wearing skinny jeans now? Under the lights. <laughs> uh, the only thing we need now is a fog machine. So, so, so not that any of those things are wrong, but we've made what is supposed to be worship uh, this whole performance thing in the church. Yeah. And, uh, and so it, it, to me, that is part of the spirit of Babylon influencing the church. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, with there, of course, I think you could say it about our nation. You could say it about any nation. We, they would feel that uh, this is the spirit of Babylon at work trying to control and, uh, and crush the church. Just like the spirit of Babylon, when, when John wrote this to the churches, they were under horrible persecution the very city that was the center of all that israel ever believed in knew uh the the temple was destroyed uh, and uh, the whole city was was abandoned and they fled mm-hmm. and uh because of the persecution rome came in and took over and it was the spirit of babylon that was the controlling uh force and so uh, we and it, it it happens it's happened in every generation mm-hmm. this this force of Babylon that try to choke out the church mm-hmm. and uh, our ability yeah 
I, just, I was, was just going to say, yeah, like it's man's system. It's the system of man, right? Yeah. yeah. Babylon would is you, the system of man. Would you compare that in any way to the spirit of Antichrist? Do you feel like they're kind of the same, not the same? I think they're... Uh, together, right? They work together. They work yeah. in tandem together. They yeah. they're like they're uh, uh, they they have the same agenda, mm -hmm. and it's like to discredit people of faith right. to or, or to make them look like fanatics to to lessen their influence. Right. And so that's good. I love it. Okay, we talked about this earlier. Um, how do you determine what in Revelation is literal versus what is figurative? You want to start with this? <laughs> Here. I get to start with this one. Well, I think um, as you started this series off, the first Sunday of January, or maybe it was the second Sunday of January, talking about how John was a pastor Right? He pastored those seven churches um, that he was writing this to. He was a theologian. He knew the scripture inside and out. The Old Testament, he walked with Jesus. He walked with the word, like right. you said earlier. Literal. And then he was a poet. Yeah. Right, And so the language that's used, it, a lot of revelation is symbolic. The numbers are symbolic. We see the number six, the number of, which is the number of man. The number seven, which is, uh, the, the uh, tell us what seven the is. The number of perfection. It's, it's God's number. Twelve, 12 yeah. is government. Yes, 12 is government. So you've got the apostles, you've got the 12 tribes of Israel. The, the, the number 1,000 all throughout scripture represents, um, it, it's a number that just means a lot, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so when we see even like, um, you know, 144,000, right? When the, the nations and tribes are around the throne and it's 144,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? So it's like you see a multiple of 12, 12 times 12, which is 144 times 1,000. We've got 144,000. Obviously, we know that there are more than 144,000 people that make up right. the bride of Christ. Well, let's, let's add to that. When John was given that vision of 144,000, he was told... Uh, there were 144,000. Then he turns to look mm -hmm. and sees uh, a vast crowd yeah, of people that no one, that could, no one could number. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it 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 was it was uh, it was a metaphor. It was mm -hmm. it, it was a symbol. And so my assessment is either the language is a language of symbols, which mm -hmm. just doesn't mean that it's not real. Right. That what he's saying is not literal, but he sp he spoke in. Uh, in symbols throughout the book. So it's either all symbols mm -hmm. or it's all literal. And if it's literal, when we get to heaven, is Jesus going to look like a lamb? <laughs> or, or, or is he going to look like a lion? Right. Will he have seven heads and seven crowns on those seven heads? What? Or, so, will, so, he, yeah. or will he have hair like wool, eyes like yeah. fire, feet like, you know. All, and all and of even things. John trying to describe something he's never seen before, we've never seen before, like, how do you describe something to someone? I would say, hey, it looks like a box and it's yellow because you know what a box is and you know what yellow is. But in heaven, I'm sure there's things we've never seen or could comprehend. I would almost think John was maybe a little frustrated. It's like when you try to explain something to someone that they're just not getting, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, is this color, man? Why aren't you excited mm -hmm. as excited as I am, you yeah, know? Why yeah. wasn't it? Well, so, so John, know? even John didn't fully 
understand all that he was seeing, he would ask questions through part of the visions as they were given to him. He was like, who are these people? And, and the response was, these are they who have come out of great tribulation, yeah. and which will lead us to another question about tribulation. Right. These are they who have come out of great tribulation and have mm-hmm. washed the robes in the blood of the lamb. There's yeah. the lamb again. Yeah. And so uh, there, there are, you know, Jesus, when he was on the earth, taught in parables. Right. Coins, sheep. Yes. Right. Right. Can I say one more thing? Yes. So I just want to say one more thing. So just because the language is symbolic, mm-hmm. right, it means we interpret, We there's a Latin phrase that I cannot pronounce, but it means um, scripture interprets scripture. So we don't interpret scripture by current events or what's on, you know, the news, right? Um, so there are like, in, in, I th- believe there's 404 scriptures in Revelation and there's over 540 references to Old Testament Happenings. So this figurative symbolic language points to things, you know, speak prophetically, right, to things that happened and things that that will happen. So when you say it's symbolic, it doesn't mean that, you know, well, this is just, you know, a poem or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. it does point to actual things that that occurred and that will occur. Um, But it's poetic literature. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not just a poem. It could be one big poem, but it's it is poetic literature, mm-hmm. and uh, so it is. In in when you as I began to read, I always thought this when I read the Bible through, even as a teenager, and I would see images in the Book of Revelation, like we hear uh, we, we it starts out. And he's on the island of Patmos, and he sees Jesus in the the vision start. And then there are seven letters to seven churches. And then he's invited to come up higher in the fourth chapter, and he sees this incredible worship exchange. But then it goes into the the, the seals. That it starts with the seals and 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 the the things that would happen as and he said no one has been found worthy and, he, and John wept because no one was found worthy in heaven or in earth. John was seeing things, uh, he was beholding things. He 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 accepted the invitation and ascended and, and went higher and saw things that were unfolding around the throne. Mm-hmm. But he was very much aware of what was happening in the earth as well. And so wow. he he saw and, and he heard a voice say, no one is found worthy, or he wept because no one was found worthy in heaven or on earth to open the seals. Right. And then he hears a loud voice that says, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah yeah. mm-hmm. has been found worthy. And he turns to see the lion. Instead, he sees a lamb. Again, here are these interesting symbols. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so, uh, I, and as I was starting to, to dig this out, I immediately thought of when Jesus stepped up in the synagogue, mm-hmm. when he was handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he broke the seal of understanding mm-hmm. and said, I'm the one that Isaiah is talking about. Right. Is, is John... It, could it be John is seeing from a heavenly perspective what happened in the earth realm when Jesus yeah. opened up the scroll? Yeah. Uh, I'm not... And you start digging into what you talked about Sunday, the Kronos, Kairos, right. the God who was, who is. It's like yeah. seeing from all angles. Right. And then in the middle time. of all of this, in the middle of all of this, John sees a vision of uh, a woman 
giving birth to a child, and then there's a dragon that wants to come and kill the child. It's obviously like, Merry Christmas. It, it's it's <laughs> it, it's obviously Jesus. He's speaking of Jesus, right. and and Satan is trying to destroy. And we know all, what happened when they right. had all of the when uh, Herod had all the children. Everybody was two and under. Right? Yes, they were all being. Uh, killed yeah. and the the sound of weeping was heard in the yes. streets and it was uh um uh, it, it was it was it was a picture of the nativity it's yeah. from from a from a different realm wow and uh so so it's like on, on the earth realm uh, the shepherds were beholding the angels breaking into the heavens but in the dark realm we Satan was at work trying to thwart the plan of God. Mm-hmm. He knew something was up. He didn't know it was really Jesus. Had he known, he would have never crucified him. The word says Paul wrote, right. and so all of these things are happening. And it's like this. It's almost like when I look at it, and with all of the five hundred, I think there are five hundred and forty Old Testament references. It's as if John is retelling the story of biblical history. Mm-hmm. Capsulizing it in the final book. Yeah, that's good. Well, there you go. That was a long answer. <laughs> Did that answer the question? Oh, I think it's good. I think it's really good. Um, number four. What is the abomination of desolation that Jesus speaks of in the Gospels, and how does it pertain to the end times? Jesus was referencing a prophecy that Daniel made about. The very thing he was actually referencing. Give the scriptural context. Uh, it was it was Matthew twenty four when Jesus is saying this, but he's referring to what Daniel prophesied when Jesus even uh, even declared to his disciples they were in marvel of the the great temple, and Jesus said, you, "There will not be one stone left on another." He prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem, and his prophecy was fulfilled. 30, 70? 30 years later, yes, 30 years later, uh, A.D. 70, when Rome came in and destroyed, defiled the temple, uh, only the high priest, one high priest was allowed into the holy place once a year. But even when Jesus was on the cross, he already started this in motion when the veil was torn and and. Uh, the glory of God departed. Yes, the glory from from it was it was no more. Uh, it, it was over already. Jesus established a whole new order when he gave up the ghost on the cross and the veil was torn. Yeah. And so it was just an unfolding of of a prophetic word that he declared. And sure enough, Rome came in and crushed the city. And uh, there's a passage of scripture where where. Uh, the, the people were, in that prophetic word, were the people, it would be better to flee to the mountains. I think it was the instruction of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and that's exactly what happened. The entire nation of Israel was dispersed and were, continued uh, in that place of, of division until 1948 when they were reestablished as a nation. So, uh, so I believe, to answer the question, this word that Jesus gave was fulfilled 70 AD when the temple and the city and the walls of the whole city were torn down and not one stone was left on another. And uh, I, be- I believe that was the fulfillment. Yeah. Did you have anything? <laughs> because, because that is not, it's not, uh, 
mentioned in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. This is, the book of Revelation was written, we believe, after the destruction. It's like during the crushing, during the, the, the as Rome is tearing the church apart. Paul, Paul started, uh, you know, before he ended up on Damascus Road seeing Jesus. The, the, there, were, there was already persecution against the church, but then Rome came in mm-hmm. and just ended it. Yeah. Uh, but the church thrived in spite of it. And we were talking about that earlier. The, the strongest church is the pers- the persecuted church, and how we're even seeing in Afghanistan this this force coming in. Yeah. But yet we see the church standing, and it's, uh, we talked to Revelation. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the testimony, and do not love your life even unto death. death. Yeah. And it's we're seeing revival and awakening happening here and there uh, everybody in the world so, is rising so i don't know if you're aware i don't know if you're aware but the largest growing church in the world is in afghanistan yeah and so uh, and word is from from pastor friends from connections that the church has been contacted by the taliban saying we're coming in and we're taking you down uh, you better get out while you can mm-hmm. and all of the pastors rose up and said we're yeah. staying I want to say something about that. Yeah. I want to say this because I think one of the tra- the tragedies or the travesty of the the perspective that revelation and what unfolds in this book is only for the last generation on the earth. Right. The one of the tragedies of that is is that um, people the the church who has been persecuted and there has been tribulation all throughout the church age for 2000 years yeah. and so we are seeing it unfold before us on the evening news right in afghanistan um, but this has been going on for thousands of years in you know different pockets of time in different right. pockets in the earth and so you know, the persecuted church can read the book of Revelation and go, this is how I endure suffering. This right. is how I endure endure persecution and remain faithful to Jesus. Yeah. Because the way of the cross, you know, one of the main themes of Revelation um, is that the way of the cross is the path to eternal victory. Yeah. So the sufferings of believers in this present age assure their victory over the powers of darkness. So what a testimony to, you know, that the Afghan church can look at Revelation and go, yeah. okay, John did it. The church did it then. The persecuted right. church, you know, withstood yeah. um, and, and were martyred. And so um, so, yeah. so I think it's just so important that we know that. And even I was saying to you last night, David, when we were talking about why did God a year ago speak to you and say, write the revelation of Jesus? Are we in the end of the end times? Are we in the last of the last days? Mm-hmm. Possibly I hope so. Even so, come quickly, Lord Lord Jesus. But I believe it is even to, it was a message to say, like, get this word out again. Highlight this again, because my church needs to know that even through persecution, through tribulation, and and we don't know what we're going to face even in our nation, in America. Right. but certainly all over the world, like remain faithful to Jesus in spite of the suffering and and the persecution, the tribulation. And, um, we will, we have, you know, the Lord has the ultimate victory. And so, um, we will receive our reward. That's right. Yeah. There are principles through the entire book of the Bible that, uh, were written, stories were written, 
for us. They were written to them, but they weren't just for them. They were mm. for them and for us, so for every generation. Principles that were taught and, and instruction given so, so that it could influence our lives. And so we believe that and we embrace that about every book in the Bible except the book of Revelation. Right. We think it's only for the end and so it doesn't apply to us because we're going to be taken out of here and it doesn't <laughs> matter anyway. <laughs> and so that is that is not scriptural. Right. Right. That is not scriptural. You can't see the Christian life apart from enduring tribulation. Jesus said in this world mm-hmm. you will have trouble, but yes. take heart. I have overcome the world. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. So we just encourage people right now. We got yeah. a few more questions. Just yeah. keep standing, mm-hmm. keep fighting, keep believing. Yeah. No matter what you're going through, whatever trial or persecution you may be experiencing, uh, we just declare that you have the authority of Jesus. Yeah. So stand. Yeah. Stand and and be who mm-hmm. all God's called you to be and, and just... Amen. I, yeah. We were just sharing that earlier, like yeah. how we went through our season uh, of, of Jackson and that, yeah. that hard morning time. But yet that was it was the, the weakest time I was in my human body and my flesh, but it was the strongest I ever was in my faith. Yeah. And there's just something about persecution. It it brings brings up the the faith the fight you know yeah. it's like you you crush me i'm gonna come back seven times yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. and so not just for those that are experiencing underground churches but even for those who are experiencing persecution of their own yes. you know you losing your father this year yeah. i've seen you rise up i mean you were already a strong woman of god but whoa you know and and what you've gone through even losing your mother and your eye surgery and like if there's ever moments normal people would quit, yeah, you could have quit and been justified. But you guys have rose, and uh, and I've seen that in all of us in some way. I think that's yeah. I think yeah. that's early in uh, early in the book. I, I shared I referenced this at the beginning about Patmos mm-hmm. that John. Uh, the scripture doesn't say it. The scripture doesn't tell us that John was boiled in oil, but historians of the day. So John, we would have never known it if we were depending on John to tell us. Mm-hmm. But uh, the historians of that day who who tell us and show us how all of the apostles were murdered and martyred. Mm-hmm. And so they tell us that, that John was boiled in oil because of the testimony mm-hmm. of Jesus, and he wouldn't die. And so he ends up on this prison island, and finds himself in a cave and in excruciating pain is able to pray himself mm. into the spirit on the Lord's day. And, you know, I've, I've seen so many pastors give up, succumb to the trial, mm-hmm. succumb to the pressure. I can't take it. And, and if only, mm. if only we could have, uh, they could have, uh, experienced what what John experienced in the greatest turmoil, if they could have found the place of pressing mm-hmm. and push past the pain into an encounter that could have changed the whole trajectory of their life. Right. Uh, I think our own personal 
uh, pressure, our own personal trials that we've all faced. I can't even can't even compare to what right. what what John faced, but but you know we see things, this momentum of of darkness coming, mm-hmm. but at the same time I see this momentum of a move of the Spirit of yeah, God yeah, yeah, coming yeah. and rising, right. and and the truth is when the light shines, darkness is obliterated, yeah. and so so we see this at work, but we also see this at work. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. we can just hold so on and good. let your Patmos yeah. take you to your knees yeah. Yeah. and take you to your encounter, uh, that is that is the hope that we find so him, in, that we discover the beauty of brokenness. I think we're answering a lot of questions. <laughs> we only have so many, but I feel like we're answering even yeah. more questions as we go. Yeah. Um, so just, just one or two more. Because uh, I know we're a little short on time, but uh, someone wrote, "Growing up in church, I was taught that there would be a rapture of the church at some point, post-trib, pre-trib, <laughs> pan-trib, mean, meaning it's all going to pan out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, follow, that being followed by the earth being destroyed by fire, a new heaven and a new earth. Then we would return to earth to reign as kings and priests." If there is not a rapture first, but rather just a one-time return of Christ, what happens? I'll first say the Bible doesn't tell of a second coming and a third coming. It only tells us of his second coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will also say that people that have embraced the, the pre-trib theology, mm-hmm. the mid-trib theology... Mm-hmm. <laughs> the 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 post trip or the it's like they were all well meaning lovers of Jesus, right. all pursuing uh, uh, a greater truth, uh, but but we're all flawed humans, and I think we we you know as it's we're forever the more we press into Him, the more the, I love the revelation of Jesus. There's this word apocalypse that. In modern day, we've given it a new definition, meaning the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But the real definition of the word apocalypse is breakthrough or like a, a curtain being pulled back. Uh, and it's the unveiling. It's, it's, so uh, the revelation of Jesus, the apocalypse is the breakthrough mm-hmm. of Jesus. Uh, so he's always breaking through. Uh, in in our times of prayer and our pursuit as we seek him, yeah. he reveals more and more of himself. Um, uh, so, I, you know, people have, I grew up that way. I grew up thinking that there's a rapture, we're all taken to heaven, we get escaped just at the last minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, But here's what's happened growing up like that. My parents, for instance, uh, taught me Jesus was coming, so there's no need to prepare there's no need to go to college. There's no need to, uh, I mean, I'm just throwing different things right. out. I mean, they never said you don't need to go to college. But there's no need to have a big savings account. There's no need to plan for uh, taking care of your children when you die because Jesus is going to come. Mm. And so that, that philosophy uh, caused a group of people to not plan and uh, they end up dying and not leaving anything for their children. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 a horrible scenario when you consider it. Uh, but but so the word, the, none in, not, nowhere in the book of Revelation does it say there will be a rapture 
and where we're taken into heaven for seven years, and then those on the earth will endure a great tribulation. It does not lay it out like that in the book of Revelation. There's one place in Daniel where it references a period of time that would equal a seven-year period, but Daniel, much of Daniel's prophecy was about Jerusalem. Now, you have to understand where Daniel is in the in the timeline, they, the, the children of Israel have rejected God. They've embraced idolatry, and as a result, God sent the Babylonians, the Babylonians, to uh, to take Jerusalem, destroy the walls. Jerusalem has been destroyed many times. So the Babylon came. Babylon came in and destroyed the city. Took captive the people of Israel and they were in captivity for 70 years and in this period of time this is like uh, five six hundred years before Jesus was born on the planet so this is a period of time where it was horrible that it, it even the scripture even speaks they they the Babylonians said sing us a song, one of the songs of Zion and they said we can't sing uh, they had hung their harps on the willow mm. because their song had been taken from them mm. and so they're in this period of captivity when Daniel begins to get prophetic words about restoring Jerusalem. And so a lot of these theologians have tried to take what Daniel was prophesying and put it somehow in the book of Revelation when, when I believe, Daniel prophesied uh, that that this restoration would come. And then Nehemiah and Ezra are sent, and they go back to Jerusalem and take people with them and start rebuilding the walls and rebuilding and digging out in, in, in the temple. And they actually find scrolls and begin to, they, they call this time of prayer because they're broken because they realize how far from God they had fallen. Mm. And so that, a lot of that restoration was, the re, they restored the city and, and then hundreds of years later, Jesus was born. Anything you want to add to this? Well, I, I, I want to say, I think also the person is asking, so, um, so when Jesus returns, because we believe that when he does return, every eye is going to see. Yep. Um, it's not going to be a secret return. I, I just will add this, like um, just so you know, and again, you know, these are some of this is like sacred cows to people, right? And it's like we're, we're however Jesus wants to come and establish his kingdom, like I don't care how he does it, right? I just want to be right in the middle and I want to be his pure bride ready for his return. But you know, the doctrine of the rapture of the church was was not developed until the 1800s. So you have 1800 years of Christian orthodoxy, theology, that never had the doctrine of the rapture, you know, in 1800 years of Christian orthodoxy. So um, it, you know, there was a vision that a woman had in Scotland and a man by the name of John Darby, who, who was a Bible teacher. And, and so this, this doctrine of the rapture was kind of birthed in the 1800s. So that's just some of the history. Not, there's a lot of, you can do a lot more research on it, but we believe Jesus is, ret- is going to return to the earth right. and every eye is going to see it. There's going to be no secret return. It's going to be one return and, and every eye will see. So part of it with that person is asking is so then what's going to happen after jesus returns i'm i'm glad you asked uh here's here's how uh this is what i believe uh paul wrote to the thessalonian church he said and and that day the trumpet will sound and the dead in christ will rise first and those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet 
the Lord in the air and will forever be with the Lord. But that's, that's as far as the scripture takes it. It never says all the rest of this that we've been told and then we, that we've been taught. It's, it's, I, I don't know how. And, and the word, like, I think the word caught up is like when, when a people would come and greet um, the leader or the king or the emperor or whatever to usher him back into the city, right? So that's kind of, am I right on that? Yes, yeah. that, that is, that is a, a, a very common theology that people would do when dignitaries would come to the city. The people of the city would go out and meet the king yeah. and welcome him into the city. And so... Uh, when Jesus returns, when he returns, if you get to the very uh, end of the, of the book of Revelation, you see that when he comes, he, he destroys the enemies of God with the, with the, with his, with the word of his mouth. Mm-hmm. It like, it, he, he smites them down. Kingdoms rise and he strikes them down yeah. with the declaration of his mouth. They're, they're clothed in linen, the garment of priests. They're not dressed as soldiers for war. They come back to this battle that is ended by the appearance of Jesus. Yeah. All of evil in the world is destroyed at the appearance of Jesus. The word says that even heaven and earth fled at the vision, at the at the appearance of Jesus, which is why it's necessary for a new heaven and a new earth. And then John saw heaven coming. He didn't see us going to, he saw heaven coming to us, the new heaven and the new earth. Now, you know what? We're... We're all flawed humans, and we do our best to fully understand this. And I think no one fully understands all there is until we become eternal beings, and then we'll get it. And then it won't matter. We won't care. (laughs) That's good. All right, so two more questions, and we're going to close this segment out. But um, this is actually uh, my question, okay? One book you recommend on Revelation and one book you recommend on Revelation. Yeah. Um, one of the books I've been reading is called Mystery Explained by uh, David Campbell, an incredible theologian. Really kind of breaks down the interpretation of the book of Revelation, connecting it to the Old Testament. Uh, you know, some of this, a lot of the symbolism that we've been talking about and figurative language, how it points to uh, events and occurrences in the Old Testament. Uh, so, Mystery Explained by David Campbell. That's good. I have uh, been uh, loving Eugene Peterson. He's the writer that gave us the message translation. Mm-hmm. Eugene Peterson wrote a book called Reverse Thunder. And this other book, I'm not going to quote it because I can't think of it. The, uh, Discipleship on the Edge. Discipleship on the Edge, yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's it's really an expository scripture by scripture breakdown of the of the book of revelation and it's uh it's i've loved gleaning and learning and uh and it's just, it's just kind of opening my eyes to see things that i didn't understand before uh and so good so check out those books all right yeah. uh last question and we'll give this one to pastor nicole and then oh, throw yikes. it to you pastor david okay. uh same question for both of you what are your last words on this series, Famous Last Words? What do you want to leave us with today? I want to say that I think we can all get caught up, and even we've kind of answered some of these questions today, and we get we talk about the end, end times and how is it all going to un, unwind and all of that. Um, I think the focus is 
the revelation of Jesus, that we would see him, that we would see what you know, even through our suffering, even through hardship, the encounters that are available, that we would see Jesus, that we would remain faithful to Jesus. And we see that he remains faithful to us in the midst of our, our suffering and, and trials. So, um, so I, my, my takeaway is that like, let's not get caught up in, in all of the, in all of the stuff of eschatology or all these things and questions, but let's see Jesus in the book of Revelation. My last words will be Jesus' last words. Behold, I am coming soon. Mm, yeah. Drop the mic. We didn't have to pay yes. for it. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Pastor David, for hearing Holy Spirit in your dream and being obedient to that and walk that out. We honor you for doing that. And thank you for sharing. And we're excited about the music to come, the book that is to come. And um, yeah. Let's pray for people. Let's pray. Uh, Anything specific you want to pray for? Can I say one more thing? Please. I'm sorry. I just have one more thing because there's a song that we have on the album toward the end of the album and it's called Eden Restored. Mm. And the beauty of this is that what started in a garden you know, Adam failed, Adam and Eve failed, and fellowship with God, you know, was got messed up, right? Yeah. But in the end, we see that Eden, are you finding it in the yeah, scripture? And no, the, I'm re- I have the lyric of the song. In the end, we see that Eden is restored, the garden yeah. is restored. And so one of the, lyri- the lyrics of this song is that we're saying to Jesus, you will have your reward. You will see Eden restored. What Jesus, what God always wanted was relationship yeah. and to walk with, so with his creation, right? With, with yeah. us. And, and so that's going to be restored. And Jesus is going to get the reward of all that he endured. Right. Eden's going to be restored and we were going to, we are going to be with him forever. Forever. Yeah. So let's, the lyric is, uh, water clear as crystal running from your throne, flowing in the middle of the city God, shimmering so brilliantly. Drinking from the river planted on each side, in the soil of heaven lives the tree of life. Soothing leaves bring healing. The Course says, throughout the ages, your heart was aching, anticipating. So long you've waited, you've been so patient, it wasn't wasted. The second verse is, every curse is broken, every face will shine. Welcome back to Eden, no one is denied. Your glory, so holy. Echoing the sound of oneness evermore, footsteps in the garden, walking with you, Lord, just like we dreamed eternally. Throughout the ages, your heart was aching anticipating so long you've waited you've been so patient it wasn't waited you will have your reward you will see eden restored come on (laughs) so jesus we just pray right now we love you thank you for your your voice that continually invites us that woos us that draws us near We thank you for what you are restoring in all of us as individuals, this holy, glorious relationship. Mm 
thank you for the way you talk to me. Thank you for the way you talk to my wife, my kids, and the, the way that every day we get an opportunity to know you more. Continually invite us through creation, through words, through visions, through feelings. Draw us into the more of you. We have come to the resolve. We are Jesus people. You are all we want. You are our reward. You are our inheritance. And so everything that's a distraction, take it down, Lord. Frustrate us. <laughs> Whatever it is that, that, that is trying to draw us away from what you are drawing us into, we just shut it down and we say, we want you. Right there where you're watching, just say that. Say, I want you. I need you. Even if you're not hungry, not thirsty, you're like, I don't know what that means. Just say, Lord, give me a hunger to be hungry. Give me a thirst to be thirsty. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. I'm anticipating you. I'm expecting you just to come and he will speak and he will move and he will have his way. We love you so much, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.